0: I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome to a new week, Solar Warrior. Here we go, this is Two for Tuesday. Whether that's a Tactical Tuesday or just content from one of our many live events like SPI Podcast Lounge, this is going to be a short-form conversation, typically, with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career. And grow with us here on Suncast, as I know you will. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us again and level up your game. In this particular case, what you are about to hear is content from our Career Summit. Our Career Summit was a fantastic series of conversations all about not only how to find your dream job, the perfect opportunity to transition into clean energy as a career, but also how as an industry we can improve the concepts of hiring with justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. We had some amazing conversations around that and you're about to hear one of those right now. You can always find all of the resources and learn more about this episode over on the blog at mysuncast.com. For now, get ready to tune up your skills, solar warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on SunCast. We are bringing this career summit to you uh, on two uh, on two suppositions. The first is that there are thousands of folks who want to join into climate change and the clean energy revolution, and you are looking for an opportunity to transition from wherever you might be in your career into a role that has meaning and purpose, and you've identified that clean energy is uh, is the direction that you want to go. Solar, wind, uh, energy storage, uh, lots of different paths that we have in clean energy. I personally have 15 years of experience in, in the solar industry and storage, uh, solar and storage, but uh, so many of our contributors and uh, and our part of people in our tribe uh, come from all walks of life, from uh, all different uh, avenues of clean energy. The second is there are a lot of companies in our industry who are taking an uh, an intense uh, internal look at their business practices for hiring with a more inclusive, diverse, and equitable lens. Uh, the statistics have been uh, have been given here throughout the summit from uh, day one till now uh, that we are biased uh, towards predominantly white men in this industry. And we are uh, among the voices that are saying, let's do something about that. Not only uh, the situation, the occurs that, that's been um, that's been bringing to light the lack of equity in, uh, generally in our population uh, of late over the last uh, few months here in the United States, of course. Uh, but also for much more than that, uh, looking within our own Suncast podcast, uh, we've said uh, we want to have more females, more people of color as guests on the show. We believe that there are loads of companies out there who want to make this transition, who want to see a more uh, a more diverse and inclusive culture within their own company, And over the last two days, and again today, we've positioned uh, industry experts and also uh, industry leaders who don't claim to be experts, but are certainly in the pursuit of excellence uh, to talk about how do we do this better? How do we hire uh, with a more diverse uh, uh, lens? Uh, Even today, uh, one of our workshops, uh, we've got Tamika from the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center who's going to present on unconscious bias, uh, unlocking uh, those things that we aren't quite aware of yet that affect the way that we recruit recruit and retain talent in our organization. So I hope that beyond the session that we're going to do today, which is a peek into our case study program and the job seeker experience, that you'll stick around. Uh, day or session after session for the last few days, two things have come really become really apparent, especially for the job seeker. And that is that you've got to get clear on your transferable skills if you want to transition from another industry. And you really should take some time to dig in and understand how to, to maintain uh, a, a positive, impactful, and engaged profile on LinkedIn and build a community and a network there. So we're going to spend some time today talking with folks who've been doing, doing that internal work, and, uh, and, it, and it's going to be a fun conversation. I am also uh, grateful for those of you who have registered at suncastsummit.com. Suncastsummit.com is where you can find the, uh, the, uh, the rest of the, the show sessions. You can become an all-access pass uh, holder or an evergreen pass holder, and you can find out what those two mean in terms of your access to the materials uh, once the summit is over at the end of the day today uh, and the end of the week this week. Uh, so thank you for those who've already uh, registered and showed uh, your intention to uh, to dig into the content with us. Uh, and then thanks, of course, as well. If you're watching this live on uh, social media, for your uh, time and attention, you could be giving your attention uh, anywhere, and you've chosen to spend this time with us. So with that, I'd like to uh, greet our first guest. Uh, but let me set the stage. About a month and a half Two months ago, I put a call out on LinkedIn and said, we want to understand uh, how folks are thinking about transitioning in their career to a new job. And uh, I said, I'm looking for a diverse group of females who are trying to think about that career transition specifically. And a number of folks raised their hand. And we started a program that we call our case study, the dream job case study uh, get your perfect job in uh, over the next twelve weeks. So, uh, one of the uh, respondents to that uh, to that call was a lady named Molly. Molly is going to uh, tell us a bit about her experience uh, trying to find career ascension in the clean energy business. And uh, Molly has a passion for clean energy that goes back to her pre-professional days. Whether working to install her first rooftop solar system in San Mateo Unified High School District, or designing solar for off-grid lighting solutions as an engineering student at UC San Diego, she's been a clean energy enthusiast from the beginning. Uh, She has previously worked as a senior engineer with Clean Coalition. Many of you will recognize Clean Coalition, uh, where she led early stage development of renewables-driven microgrid projects. Malini Kanan, welcome to Suncast Clear Career Summit.
1: Hi Nico, thanks for having me.
0: So good to see you again. We've been spending some time together recently. (laughs) Molly, what uh, I'd love to hear, you already have uh, spent a number of years kind of understanding what clean energy is uh, to you and why this is where you wanna dedicate your career. But for those who are still trying to think about what this means for them, could we get some insight into why Coming out of college, you chose to pursue a role in clean energy and what that means for you as a career.
1: Sure. So I would say that my interest in clean energy started in high school and can be attributed to a couple of things. Um, One of my high school teachers uh, was like super into solar and kind of, you know, got me infected with kind of all the possibilities that solar can offer in terms of a better environment. He was like a big conservation guy. Um, So, you know, kind of like the possibilities with solar in terms of preserving our natural world. Um, And another big thing that happened was that my parents decided to go solar. Uh, It was Mm. a big decision for them. It was a big investment back then. (laughs) I think it was 2006. Um, Wow. Yeah. And, and it was cool. People would come to our house to check them out and uh, people from around the neighborhood around the town. So um, those were two big influences uh, early on. And then I studied environmental engineering at UC San Diego, which was a program heavily focused on renewable energy. Mm -hmm. And I at the time um, had this passion for designing solutions. um, But while my kind of university friends were going off and working for defense contractors and high tech. Um, I wanted to do something that would really make a difference in the lives of people, Um, both people, Mm -hmm. you know, in my hometown and people in developing nations across the world.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Malini, you, uh, you took an opportunity coming out of college to jump into a, uh, a not-for-profit the clean coalition can you tell me about what what that first jump into the clean energy market look like for you from a technical as well as a sort of career professional development uh perspective
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to correct you a little bit. My first job out of school was actually, it was with a nonprofit. It was with a a university-based research institution. Um, So still the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say focusing on that first role, uh, it was pretty sheltered, I would say. Being in a research lab, uh, there's a handful of projects that you work on, and there's not a whole lot of exposure to what's actually going on in the industry. Um so my work focused on quality testing of solar pico solar off-grid products, which is very, very niche. Um, and I really had no idea about utility scale solar, commercial scale uh-huh. solar. Um, I don't think storage was as popular then,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, it was a pretty sheltered perspective uh, very much in like the academia world.
0: Yeah, and how long uh, so what we're going to talk a bit about today is, your decision to move on and look for career ascension. How long were you at Clean Coalition?
1: I was there for three years. Three just years. Just over
0: three years. And your primary role at Clean Coalition?
1: Uh, as a technical person, engineer, mm-hmm. analyst. Uh, it's yeah. a small organization, so a lot of hats, but mostly technical.
0: Sure. And, but for those who are relatively unfamiliar what that means to be a technical person inside of an organization, what was like day-to-day activity?
1: Uh, Sure. So it was a lot of um, Excel spreadsheets, Mm -hmm. a lot of analysis work, uh, looking at data for different customers and uh, looking at what their energy use might look like, and then um, moving forward with kind of designing solar and battery systems. So figuring out how much solar and battery do we need to keep this customer's uh, critical loads online? during power outage.
0: Yeah, and uh, you worked on uh, microgrids, off-grid, and on-grid, but you also helped clients uh, who reached out to Clean Coalition with project management of their projects, is that right? Uh,
1: Yeah, to some extent. Um, We would often be tasked with kind of managing a whole project from start Mm -hmm. to finish, mainly because a lot of the clients we worked with, mostly public sector clients, didn't have the bandwidth to manage a project like this on their own. So yeah. we came in as consultants and and led usually feasibility studies uh, to, right. to make these projects happen.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Clean Coalition uh, serves in many ways as an ally to other uh, public sector organizations who would rather rely on an organization like Clean Coalition who would work as an advocate on their behalf than hire a private company to do this similar types of engineering uh, work. Molly, that's awesome. Uh, Thank you for helping us have sort of a foundational understanding of the work that you were engaged in. I'm going to come back in a a little bit after uh, we introduce Patty and Eric and ask a little more about uh, the nature of the skill set that you've been developing and why look for uh, why how you've reached the point where you want to move to the next level in your career. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye to Molly and bring up Patty.
3: Hi, Patty. Hi, Nico. Thanks for having me in the program
0: Absolutely. for the
3: Dream Job Case Study.
0: Yeah, Patty, it's great to see you again. Patty Lowe has been involved in energy efficiency and has been a climate champion since the 90s, uh, working in, uh, starting a nonprofit back in the 90s and working in energy efficiency and in various roles to create public awareness and advocate for renewable energy and climate solutions. So, the idea or the desire to get into renewables or clean energy uh, is one that is uh, is deep seated for Patty. Patty, uh, you and I have been talking a lot about sort of how the last uh, you know couple of decades have evolved in your career. Uh, you have had a number of organizations that you started and run. Uh, can you give us a sense for how you've gone about educating yourself on the various opportunities in? Uh, the broader energy sector, and maybe what you've spent the last uh, 10 or 15 years working on specifically that's led you to the decision that you want to move into a clean energy role.
3: Okay. Yes, back in the 90s, I was learning a lot about global warming, climate disruption, and the potential impacts for human health and for wild animals and sea level rise. And I knew I could not Just stand by without getting involved. At that time, there was little public awareness about climate change, and there was little, just a little, sorry, agreement among scientists. Mm -hmm. So we enrolled climate scientists and volunteers to get involved, and that led to the city of Seattle taking on climate change as a priority. And I've also been in sales, computer Mm -hmm. hardware, software, and When I was then looking for a position in energy efficiency several years ago, I was told, you really need six years of experience. And I did not have that six years in energy efficiency. So I did end up starting my own business. And I then discovered that to do this business, I needed to learn about steam engineering. So on the job, I would learn that by going plant to plant with my hard hat and my steel-toed boots with a technician and talked to uh, lots of skeptical engineers. And then we, over time, gained the credibility Mm -hmm. out of doing surveys and doing pilots and then projects in uh, pulp and paper, oil and gas, and lumber and fertilizer. So that was why, out of my commitment to climate solutions, I didn't follow the typical career path, right? Mm -hmm. And so now that I'm looking, I've decided to go into renewable energy Mm -hmm. because it's a really dynamic field. There's a lot going on and I love playing a big game with people that are up to big things. So yes, then I've been looking at learning a lot about the industries from virtual conferences, Suncast and others. And it did seem like there's just a lot of information and where do I go next? So that's yeah. how I came to be in the program.
0: Yeah. And we're grateful for it. It's been really a lot of fun getting to know you uh, and seeing how you have explored uh, where you want to go uh, in at this juncture in your career. Someone who's obviously a self-starter, an entrepreneur. Uh, what are, for you, the challenges over the last Uh, let's call it a few months, as you've been trying to conceptualize how you want to find your role within Clean Energy.
3: Mm -hmm. To step back, last year I decided I wanted to be a proposal writer. I've done a lot of proposal writing from my business, and I love to write. And so I got certified from the Association of Proposal Management Professionals, And then I started looking for a job in that area. And I found it difficult because most of the companies, they wanted very specific experience, Mm -hmm. like five years writing this type of proposal. And not only writing, but also being really good at graphics, (laughs) Adobe Illustrator, which I was not uh, good at. So then I, I had decided to go back to sales and business development. And when COVID hit, I I, I reconsidered that. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone was going remote. I'd wanted to work on site, but then that that wasn't really working out. So uh, when I joined your group, I was really excited to be able to be with people who are in the industry who could give me some guidance. And uh, I was inspired, Nico, when you had said that you had decided you were going to make a you were going to make a living with your voice, right? Yeah. And 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 so I said, well, I can make a living doing writing because that's something that I've always been really good at. Yeah. And I don't have to do it full time, but I would like it to be part of what I do next. And it was really the encouragement to get focused
2: because
3: mm-hmm. I wasn't focused before the case study program on specifically what I was going to do. Yeah. And it's really given me a lot of confidence that, uh, I can find what it is that I want with with a company that does value people who are adoptable and may not have five years of a specific type of experience, mm-hmm. but but value a diversity of perspectives. I consider yeah. myself to be a person with diverse experience and perspective because I've done project management, sales, you know, basically in small business. It's whatever's needed. That's
0: right. right. Lots of hats.
3: Yeah, and then you have to continually adapt and iterate and find what works and what doesn't work. So it it gave me the confidence to say, this is what I'm going to do, and I am going to find something. And I appreciated the ability to be with people like yourself and Glenda and the mentors, where I could get guidance and also introductions to people in the industry, because otherwise it looks like a black box,
0: Yeah, the thing that I really uh, admire and respect about your journey is how honest you've been with yourself and how uh, intentional you have been with getting clear on what you're looking for. In the way that you said uh, that part of my journey inspired you, uh, we've all been inspired by seeing how you've said, like I said five years ago, if there's one thing I know I can count on, it's that I can show up. And my voice is present and I love speaking with others. So I'm gonna make a living from my voice. I'm gonna find a way to get my voice into other people's ears and and, and, and onto their screens and uh, and and it's evolved from there. And Suncast Media is a as a mm-hmm. result of that. I've seen you get clear on your intention intentionality about writing. And what's also cool in the in the group, because we have mentors, uh, like Tara Doyle, who some of you have uh, have, have heard from and Catherine McLean and, uh, Erica Jefferson, uh, they and Glenda Johnson on our team, they've given such great advice, uh, and helped everyone sort of polish what it, what are those core skills that regardless of the job, you know, you're going to contribute. It's one of the things that we talk about, the transferable skills for years, it was writing and we've watched how you have, uh, not vacillated, but how you have sort of, um, uh, walked around and looked at from different angles different roles like inside sales or sales ops um, proposal writing as you mentioned Um, is there what for you has has become the catalyzing uh, sort of um, headliner if you will uh, that you'd put on your LinkedIn for example for what you are what you're looking for now and and I'll note that Patty for what it's worth is very much uh, available she's uh, she's chipping in and helping uh, us at Suncast, but she's available and still looking for that role. So I'd love to hear what your what your uh, sort of elevator pitch is for
3: what you want to what you want to do. My elevator pitch is I want to write proposals, marketing content, technical documents, whatever you've got in the clean energy industry. Hmm. And one of the things that brought me back to writing is that I've been collaborating with Terry Schmidt, an author, on a book called Strategic Project Management Made Simple. Mm -hmm. And it's a complete revision. And I've had the opportunity to help to shape the book and to draft some content and do editing, even getting climate change, renewable energy put into the book. And I, I got that. Yes, I actually like collaborating, even online. Yeah. So I don't have to work on site anymore, but I can collaborate online and just really enjoy the process and enjoy the teamwork that comes with that. And like I said, I am adaptable. So I am also willing to pitch in with whatever is needed.
0: Indeed, indeed. It's been fun to see uh, the journey of you getting comfortable with how you voice that and realizing that there are a multiplicity of ways that you can apply that skill. And in a lot of ways, what what is true, and we have taught this in the program, is you have to get clear on your skills and where you want to show up. And then you put it out there. You put it out on LinkedIn. You communicate it through email and, and in your networking. And other folks will come along and they'll augment. They'll say, oh, well, I see this skill. And I think I could utilize you to help me write a book uh, about my journey in clean energy or help. Uh, us manage our content strategy for mm-hmm. our blog posts. Um, Patty, I'm uh, I'm so grateful to have you in my life. And I know that the other <laughs> ladies in our case study are so grateful as you've also helped coordinate and rally them uh, together to talk with one another about uh, their fears and uh, anxieties, but also to get clear on their goals and intentions. Can uh, I just make
3: one more point, Nico? Yeah, please. I think for anybody seeking a job and not just seeking a job, but anybody who's up to anything big, it's really valuable to have communities of people that are up to big things. I meet weekly on zoom with a group of amazing people who are in different professions, but they're all up to big things. And, and, and now I've, I'm in the suncast group for, for, case studies, and I get a lot out of the other people that are in the program, the other women that are participating, like Malini and Jamie and the others. So yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Patty, we're going to uh, bring Eric up here for a moment and we'll bring you and Malini back uh, as well to have a roundtable discussion in about six or seven minutes. Okay? Okay. All right. You know, it's the time of year where folks start moving around from business to business, job to job. Career transition is at its peak. And it's often a time where folks look to someone else to help organize their thoughts and guide their principles. I've spent the last 15 years in renewables. I've spent the last five years coaching founders and startup executives in this space specifically. And for the last year, I've been helping folks transition Out of oil and gas and other industries into renewables. And I've found that there are a few things that are commonalities. I'd like to invite you, if that sounds like something you're interested in, to have a conversation with me about whether or not coaching might be in your future. And working with me might be something that would help level up your business or your personal career path. You can fill out an application over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the work with me button in the very top right. And everyone who fills out an application, I'm going to set up a 15-minute clarity call. So I'd invite you to run, fill that out if this sounds remotely interesting to you. And let's have a chat. See if there is, in fact, a fit. I look forward to chatting soon. Thank you so much for tuning into Suncast. Let me know if I can help you in other ways. Last but certainly not least, I've had a chance to meet this gentleman uh, very recently through our mutual friend, Ralph Stierli. Eric Lindley is the most wet behind the ears, as it were, but also not afraid uh, to or a stranger of work. Uh, Eric is a 23-year-old recent college grad from Texas A&M that's found an amazing job. And in the solar industry, uh, a niche of the solar industry, as it were, uh, he graduated with a maritime business administration degree and a focus in logistics uh eric i'd love to uh you know one of the my one of my favorite stories from the many that we 've heard uh recently just having chats with you is how you were sort of forced into uh the the diligence of being uh a worker at an early age. Can you tell me? What about your background? Uh, your 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 like pre college background uh, informed uh, the tenacity with which you approached the job search process.
2: So I uh, I've been working since I was twelve years old. Uh, my first job was actually down on the docks. My my father owned a import and export company down on the docks in Galveston, and so I was down there all summer long. Uh, <clears throat> sorry about that. It's all right. Um, <clears throat> all during my, my winter breaks, everything. Uh, so that really taught me work ethic. And then as I went through high school and things like that, I, I started working for different companies like a, a restaurant down in my neighborhood and I ended up managing the entire place, uh, before I even graduated high school. Um, I've been a foreman on a construction site. I've been a carpenter. I've been, um, a multitude of different things. I've worked on campus while I was in school. Um, So really one of the things that, that my parents and my family wanted to instill in me uh, is what it feels like to make 20 bucks, you know, to to go out there and and really understand how tough it is to make a living and to thrive with, with what you have. And, and I come from humble beginnings. Um, So it's been, It's been half my life now uh, that I've, I've held the job. And, and as I graduated from college and transitioned into the industry, it's, you know, it's followed with me. Uh, I'm here seven 30 in the morning to five o'clock in the evening. I, you know, I, I do everything I can. I stay busy and I love every minute of it. Yeah. One of the things that we, uh,
0: I always uh, am really intentional to help folks understand is the importance of mentorship. Can you explain how uh, finding and leaning into a mentor helped
2: you ultimately find the opportunity you had at Solaris? Yeah, uh, so <clears throat> I I had a professor at AM. Uh his name is John Hark. He works for Bertling down here in Houston. Um, fantastic guy He's an adjunct professor uh, and really his his main goal uh, down there is not only to teach but it's to it's to help students kind of come together and to explore options and do things like that. And so I really, I got close with him. Um, I, I learned massive amounts of information from him. He really took me under his wing. Um, I attended conferences with him. There's an organization down here called ITMA. Um uh, it's, it's a maritime based organization. I would go to luncheons with them and, and volunteer at them. Uh, I went to the break Bolt conference here. Um, and he really laid the groundwork for me to meet connections and to um, really explore my options and try to network as best as possible. Um, and, you know, through these, he, he was kind of the main one, but through him, I developed a few other mentors also who really, we stayed in contact. Uh, you know, we'd send an email to each other every week or so and they'd answer any questions I have and they, you know, give me recommendations and things like that. So it was kind of a combined effort. You know, as they say, it, it takes a village. Yeah. Um, and so they kind of guided me into, you know, transitioning into the professional world. And after, um, after my second last semester, I graduated in August. So yeah. um, after the spring semesters, when the job search really, really got heated, yeah. uh, I actually had 240 job applications that I had filled out. I'd only heard back from eight people. Uh, three of them actually reached out with an offer and I told them, you know, uh, I I was testing the waters, you know, I I did some more research, you know, further research on the companies and said, you know, I don't think this would be a good fit. Uh, so I was a little hopeless. Um, and that's when my, my professor kind of contacted me and said, hey, um, you know, I've got this this buddy of mine who's who just started a new venture and looking for somebody like you and you know, the dominoes fell in the right places. And I I luckily ended up with this chance.
0: Yeah. I want to highlight the tenacity to do and to know that it's a track that you did 240 job applications with a roughly 3% callback rate and a 1% offer rate. Um, A lot of folks might hear your story and uh, and say, oh, Texas A&M, college grad, white dude working in a white world, like logistics, uh, this seems like uh, a classic referral of a referral, which is, uh, you know, what we already know, like building operations managers and logistics uh, is one of our or some of those, um, uh, those niches where 95% or 100% of the jobs are Referred by a friend of a friend, which tends yeah. to keep things, um, I'll say, uh, 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 monotone, as it were, in terms of who has access to those. Um, Eric grew up in South Houston, the, the wrong side of Houston, uh, in, 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 in terms of like, being able to have access to uh, that sort of upper level of referral network worked himself through college. I just want to highlight how uh, I'm personally in, uh, I so admire the level of tenacity that I've gotten to know uh, of getting to know you um, and the level of belief that you had uh, in what you wanted to do. Can, so it wouldn't be the same story if you just took any job. Can you mm-hmm. explain as a final point before we bring Molly and Patty back why this logistics job, in fact, was your dream job? How out of 240 applications, this one fit uh, a, a spectrum of what you had said you wanted?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I initially went to a and I was actually a dual major uh, with renewable natural resources and then an ecology degree. Um, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. That's That's really what you know, sparked my interest in, in green energy and renewables and stuff. And so um I really loved it, but it got a little too sciencey for me. You know, when I started getting to o too and stuff, I just truthfully couldn't hang on. Um And so I, I transferred into maritime business and, you know, I loved it. I, I, I loved both of them practically equally. Mm-hmm. Um, so... <laughs> After I graduated, I figured, you know, hey, I have a maritime degree. You know, I'd, I'd love to do green energy, but I don't know how those two mix. Um, and so about 95% of all of the applications that I sent off were all to maritime-based companies. Um, there were a few others that were just kind of scattered in here and there. So when my when my professor uh, contacted me and said, hey, you know, solar logistics, I was like, this is exactly what i want um and so i i did the whole interview process and i was one of i believe two or three other students that my my professor recommended and then ralph had about three others that he had found from outside Um, we all competed against each other and um luckily i i was able to do well enough on the interview process that he chose me so i got i got lucky
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think it's luck at all. And uh, we'll probably have another conversation at some point with Ralph and you to discuss uh, how your hiring manager created uh, a test of sorts. Uh, And I've talked to Ralph about how and why he chose you. And he said that you stood out head and shoulders above the rest. So uh, many who might uh, have been, uh, we'll call it rejected, uh, 240 times, uh, well, 237 times. Uh, might not might look at the opportunity and say, oh, what I have to do. I have to jump through more hoops. Um, you didn't. Uh, Ralph basically said, give us, here's a project and you created uh, a product that uh, that may not exist today. And you did that as a, as a, as an attempt to show your willingness to work, your willingness to do the research and your creativity.
2: Yeah, uh, oh, yeah go ahead. I, uh, I actually was presented with exactly what you said. He said, Hey, come up with a product in the solar industry that has never been, you know, invented, it's not out in the market or anything like that. And so I teamed up with a buddy of mine, uh, who's an industrial design major at U of H and he does 3d modeling. Um, so we came in together and we produced a product and, um, I pitched it to Ralph. He loved it. And we're actually in the process of, you know, moving into patents and things like that with it. Uh, Amazing story. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's the light at the end of the tunnel for me. Yeah, no doubt. Well, again, I just uh, as I've said, I want to honor
0: the intensity, the tenacity, the um, the intentionality that went into your job search. And I find that a lot of folks who reach out uh, and say, I'm curious about getting into clean energy. They haven't done the kind of homework. They haven't done the kind of uh, inner work that we're going to talk about. Uh, for the remainder of this conversation. I want to bring back Patty and Moloney, and uh, let's unpack that a little more. Uh, Moloney, I know for you, uh, looking at a career transition, you're already in clean energy, you've already decided climate change is where you want to plow, uh, sort of uh, set your plow and, and pull forward. Uh, how over the course of, uh, how over the course of that process of deciding, okay, uh, I want to move up in the in the industry. Did you start to think about not only what role you wanted to aspire to, but what were the core skills that you developed uh, to to offer to a new hire or to a new employer?
1: Um, yeah, sure. So. I think that all of us uh, since, you know, around March when COVID hit have been spending a lot of time with ourselves. Um, So I'd say that's been a blessing (laughs) in that I've had a lot of time to really reflect and think about what I want my next move to be. Uh, So where I started was evaluating, you know, what experiences over the last like five years that I've been working have really kind of been the most fun? Uh, What have I been good at? What do I want to develop more? Um, And the main realization for me was that while I really enjoy doing technical work, um, I'm probably never going to be like the best engineer or the best programmer in the room. Um, But I do really enjoy talking to people. And that's not super common amongst engineers. Uh, That's kind of a stereotype. But I really enjoy talking to people and I really enjoy writing and I have the ability to kind of take technical concepts or complex ideas and either distill them or explain them to like a lay person. And those are skills that I thought everybody had. um, And only, you know, four or five years into my career, did I realize that that's actually pretty unique. So as I was looking to make my next move, uh, career wise, I was looking for roles that would allow me to really leverage this kind of key differentiator, which is like having a solid technical understanding, like I could go into the physics or the chemistry of things if I wanted to. um, But also being able to like, See that within like the bigger picture, like who needs to know about this and why is it special and how can we, you know, build something out of this? So I started to look for roles that were more strategic, um, more like big picture. And within the clean energy industry, um, I kind of ended up with something like a product management or program management role as my target. Um, But another key thing is those roles can look so different in different companies. And so for me, it was really about figuring out like what product or what program would I wanna work on and, and definitely working on something innovative and new uh, was important for me.
0: I'm curious, Molly because you already have uh, a sense of access, but still relatively new in the industry and in your career. How important were mentors in that discussion and that decision, polishing that idea?
1: Definitely super valuable. Um, having the ability to talk to other folks in the industry and kind of like give the lay of the land, like what companies are working on what, like where to look for more information and really how to kind of translate, you know, what I did in my previous role, like my day-to-day activities, like taking that and translating it into like how this could be used in my next role. And that's what Nico, you've been referring to as transferable skills. Yeah. Um, I think an outsider perspective and experience perspective can really help to help, help me understand my own value.
0: Yeah. Eric and Patty, I'm curious uh, if you, if either of you have anything to add there in terms of uh, the work that you've done, identifying what, where you want to lean in. Uh, we talked a bit a bit, Eric about uh, how you decided logistics uh, and you've sort of found your way to a solar company that does logistics. Patty, how about yourself?
3: When we had an initial conversation, Nico, I said, well, I'm not really sure where my skills would fit in the renewable energy industry. Mm-hmm. And I talked about my skills in proposal writing and in sales and business development. And and you said, well, everybody needs those skills. So so that gave me the confidence that I would find something somewhere, most likely through an introduction or through networking. And I do have almost 3000 people in my LinkedIn network. So it's easy for me to connect to a lot of people. And I've, uh, Developed it largely because I think that people in the clean energy industry and climate solutions need to connect with each other. Yeah. So that was a, a big part of why I really decided to focus on my proposal or content writing. And also, I see that it's not just writing, it's really being able to see from the perspective of, of the prospective client. Mm-hmm really being able to think through, well, what's important to them mm-hmm. and what are they looking for and how can I best communicate that, which I've done for both technical and non-technical audiences. And and so that's how I see my role in writing.
0: Yeah. What's really exciting for me as well, Patty, and this is what we're going to impact sort of in the second half of our case study that you guys are about to head into now, is uh, really looking at your own personal IP, as we call it, your... Um, Uh, the core content that you bring to the table and being able to position yourself as an authority. A lot of folks think, Oh, well, I'm not an authority because I'm new to clean energy. Right. But you can be an authority on writing. And that, uh, that mind shift I think is important to think about skills rather than industry. Um, That's one of the key things that we teach in the transferable skills workshop and um, really understanding how to translate uh, what you've done previously into the jargon, the lexicon of the industry that you want to go into. Um, yeah, so that's sort of one of the frameworks. I'd love to hear what resources have you guys tapped into that did that, that helped you get more fluent in the jargon and uh, the technical detail of the industry?
2: So um, at least for me, uh, Ralph has been a huge help with a lot of this stuff. I've also been training with our supply chain manager here. Um, But kind of in my first, my first month here, uh, really learning the ins and outs of the industry have been through attending webinars like this. Uh, Lots of uh, webinars that have to do with manufacturers themselves and just learning, you know, kind of the scientific basis behind everything, uh, how they work, you know, how they function. uh, Generally, you know, how much output, that these products, uh, produce. So it's, it's really been a lot of self taught, but uh, also a mix of, of kind of a guiding hand. Um, so really, really I, I, I feel like doing research yourself, uh, through mainly webinars is what I've found. Uh, and just hearing experts in what you're interested about discussing everything, Um, and, and, you know, kind of picking their brain and things like that. I mean, that's, that's where I've learned probably 70% of everything I have so far.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have a question for Patty and Malini who are both in the case study. Do you feel, uh, I kind of want to highlight something that I think is a conjecture. Do you feel that before joining, uh, our study group, uh, you were um, as intentional. Uh, and one of the things I want to highlight here is to join our case study has a monetary component to it. I find that a lot of times when someone has to put their money where their mouth is, uh, which is the only reason that we charge for it, um, they get really serious about it. Uh, and by raising your hand and saying, I want to join and I'm willing to pay for it. Um, do you feel like that in any way was a catalyst for you or uh, how, how in, in, in that process did, uh, being financially committed as well, help you accelerate.
3: I agree that it's important for people to have a commitment and a financial commitment is included in that. I've also put money into conferences, virtual conferences, a Grid Evolution, Solar Pulse Europe, Clean Tech Showcase. And I've gotten a lot out of not only learning the jargon, learning more about the industry, but also being able to network with yeah. people in the industry through those conferences, as well as some of the conferences that you've been on, Nico.
1: Um, I will say that joining the case study group has been kind of something that I've used to keep myself in check. Um, Otherwise, I don't know if I would have been as motivated or intentional or um, productive. Mm -hmm. Um, But having the weekly or bi-weekly sessions to check in on our progress flesh out ideas with, uh, Miko, both yourself, the mentors and others in the program, um, and having the ability to like ask questions and just kind of have someone have an answer has right. been super valuable. Um, so I'd say, uh, for me being in that case study group has been, um, yeah, really valuable and has kept me on track, uh, a lot more than I might've otherwise been.
0: Yeah, I've seen uh, – it's, it's interesting because uh, I also am a part of different groups where uh, I have a financial contribution. And there are days where I know a call is coming on Monday. And so uh, I will – it will spark in me like, oh, what, what was it that I wanted to prepare ahead of the call? And I've had that feedback from several in our group now who've said, uh, oh, I knew I had to do the transferable skills worksheet and I just completed it, or uh, I didn't complete it, so now I feel guilty about it. So I'll do it tonight. Um, but that level of accountability uh, beyond the monetary contribution—that level of accountability for me—is what I've seen uh, be meaningful for you all, and uh, and it's been meaningful in my in, in my journey as well. Um, I wanted to. Uh, so, Moloney is, um, we'll say, in advanced stages uh, with. Uh, with accepting uh, a potential role in a new organization in the industry. Uh, Patty is in advanced stages of identifying the candidate companies that she wants to interview for roles. And Eric has landed uh, what in all accounts, uh, on all accounts, is uh, a dream job. What advice through your own uh, journey might you leave as a token uh, or a gift to those who are coming along behind you or are thinking the same way? How do I, how do I really conceptualize? and How do I actually uh, catalyze this?
2: So uh, I know this has probably been said a million times before. Um, but one thing that I've learned is, is don't be afraid to one, you know, to be the one to stick out your hand first, to meet these people, to the network. Uh, I, I wouldn't have this job to, in my opinion, I wouldn't have this job today if I wouldn't have gone out there and, you know, had awkward conversations with people that have no idea who I am and really don't care who I am at first. Um, and you know, putting myself out there and trying to make as many connections as possible to broaden my opportunities. Um, you know, I break will cost me about $600 as a student to attend. Um, and I, I mean, it was, it took a big chunk out of my bank account being a college kid, but it was worth it. Even though I didn't get a job from it, I still have tons of connections on LinkedIn and uh, have really been able to follow these people and get a better understanding of their companies and hopefully get to work with them in the future. Um, So like I said, it's probably been said a million times, but honestly networking and putting yourself out there and creating a, a, you know, a value for yourself and, and communicating it to these people. That's, that's the best piece of advice that I can give.
3: Yeah. I'd say that, uh, again, it's just super important to have a community of people because there are going to be times when it's not going to go go the way you want, right? I really wanted this position at this clean energy software company and it didn't happen. And I was initially really upset And I talk to people in my group. I can call any of them and they'll respond within an hour. And by the next day, I was fine, right? And it just takes that. And it's not just others supporting me, but I'm supporting other people. The same with networking. It's creating the relationships, not just networking. It's really creating mutually supportive relationships that will pay off for both parties Maybe not immediately, but at some point. So that's what I would say is really important.
1: Um, I have two pieces of advice. Uh, So first, I would say that your job search should always be active and you should always be networking. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know... Yes, it's important to network extra hard when you're actively seeking for a new role. But if you work on building your network, um, you know, even when you are gainfully employed, uh, you'll have a better chance of of being connected to the right people um, when the time comes. And secondly, I would say having... um, like a support network like Patty was mentioning is super valuable. Um, both for kind of the emotional support. It can be kind of draining to like in Eric's case, I don't know how you submitted 240 <laughs> job applications. Um, but sometimes you just need like the emotional support. Um, but also I found that I probably have submitted 30 or 40 job applications, but when I get an intro, from someone in my network or someone who's willing to, you know, put a handout for me, I have a much better callback rate. And so if you can work that network to actually make sure your application gets seen, I think it really kind of allows you to work smarter instead of kind of, um, you know, putting an application into an online portal and watching it disappear into the ether, um, at least, you know, someone's going to take a look at it. And that's definitely hard as a college graduate, but, you know, it's still building up that network. But if you focus on building your network over time, um, you can, you know, have, I guess, higher efficacy in your job search.
0: Yeah. And I'll note that uh, at least two of you in the case study are in the case study because you were referred by someone in your network. Uh, I know that's the case for Moloney, and um, and it it takes uh, it's, it's as Moloney said, you got to dig the well before you need the water. And if you have that mindset of being a person of value, uh, you'll never lack for mentors. And there are people like myself, uh, like Glenda on our team, like my friend Les Mood, who's one of the biggest givers I've ever met, um, that will. That will help you. They will give a hand up. They've got a decade or more experience in the industry. I can tell you, we talked about uh, on one of our sessions, uh, I think on day one, Mike Healy and uh, Matt Hankey both said how Jigger was instrumental. I know that um, Jigger Shaw, that is. I know Catherine uh, McLean also had uh, direct uh, sort of input from Jigger about how to grow her business. A lot of folks Mm -hmm. uh, feel that in the clean energy business, uh, they maybe haven't earned the right to approach uh, thought leaders or CEOs of companies that, I, well, here's what I'm here to tell you. I've been in this business for 15 years. And even when I was in the business for five years, uh, Dan Sugar and Jigar Shaw would, uh, would acknowledge and respond when I asked a question. Um, and I was always trying to contribute. Uh, and those that I know who are intentional about building a network, as Molly said, uh, they have developed similar relationships. I'm not unique because the clean energy business is a family. We do see this as a rising tide lifting all boats. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear because I know that not only watching live, uh, but also watching this as a replay in your in your spare time, several of our solar warriors and climate champions. Are, uh, are, cha- are 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 going to chime in here? Uh, what are your tips and tactics for career transition? Do you have advice for job seekers? Love it if you'd leave your resources and takeaways in the comments, whether you're on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, and you can also comment uh, on LinkedIn, uh, say case. Study. If you'd like to hear more about the case study, if you'd like to be considered as a candidate for our next cohort, it'll be starting mm-hmm. up in October. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for Patty and Melanie and T and Jamie uh, for participating, and Allison for participating in our first cohort. Grateful for Eric who uh, has shared so much of his life experience, and Ralph who brought him uh, to the table for us. This is all uh, a reflection of what it's like to build a network that gives. Because you get what you give. And uh, I think that the three of you are sterling examples of uh, the kind of intentionality and inner work that everybody for the last two days has said it is required to find the path that you want to be in, no matter whether it's clean energy or some other uh, career path, you got to do the internal work. We're going to be uh, hosting two more workshops today specifically on that. As I mentioned before, the transferable skills and uh, LinkedIn tune-up. In fact, with my friend Les Mood, who's going to contribute uh, how to become known, how to uh, how to increase your influence on, on LinkedIn in particular. If those are interesting for you, uh, you can hit us up on social as well. We've got a special discount code for you, Action Takers, if you'd like to be able to access those workshops uh, and the replays. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us as well and we'll share a special discount code that we have given for just today's action takers. Eric, Moloney, Patty, so grateful for the three of you. Thanks for contributing not only to the summit, but to uh, the Suncast team as a whole. You've really been uh, instrumental. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Nico.
0: All right. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, but I do hope that you'll check out the other two for Tuesday episodes and let me know what you think of these shorter format discussions you want more like this you can find more than 200 episodes resources highlights from the discussions along with social media links to each guest episode book recommendations and so much more over on the blog at mysuncast.com And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with the Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly emails or even joining the exclusive inner circle we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. A special thank you to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Follow the links there for any offers we've discussed here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.